Thanks for joining us for World of Lies. This is Purity for Life. There is a spiritual war being waged against your soul. Your enemy has begun a siege against you, and whether you are aware of it or not, his many weapons and strategies are aimed at breaking through the walls of your heart and bringing in the vilest pollutions that will destroy you from within. History shows us that when armies laid siege to a city, they would simply wait. They would wait for months or even years until the city's defenses were so weak that they could not withstand a direct attack. But our enemy is even more ruthless. He will patiently wait until our defenses crumble, but he will also steadily assail us with a barrage of lies through culture and media. Oh, how difficult it is for us to endure these tactics. But we are still yet more vulnerable because we are not just fighting enemies from without. There is a traitor in our very midst, our own flesh. Our hearts are desperately wicked. And every day as we seek to stand against the tides of deception rising against us, we must also restrain this traitor from his constant attempts to open the gate and surrender to our enemy. Are you willing to root out the traitor and put him to death? Because this is the only way you will keep your city from being overthrown. Thanks for joining us for part nine of our series, World of Lies. Today, the painful fight for truth. I'm sure for someone who is stuck with us from the first episode until now, that this has been quite a journey as we've been uncovering deeper and more complex layers of deception in the culture, in the church, and even, I'm sure, some people have ha- have seen that deception exposed inside. Um, these times where the Lord really shines his light intensely on some area of our life can be really painful and difficult, and sometimes we shy away from those things. We just we have a reflex to keep ourselves away from that kind of pain. But I know from my own experience, and I've heard you talk about it, that those times can, in in retrospect, are some of the most treasured experiences with the Lord. So to start off today, could you talk about an experience like that where God really shone the light on some area, brought revelation and um, why that became such a treasured thing for you? I think one of the most painful things I ever experienced uh, as a Christian was in 2010 when, because of burnout and sickness, the Lord had to take me out of running Pure Life Ministries, and I had to put it in the hands of another. And for the next five years, I was out of my gifting, out of my anointing, out of my calling, and God's not letting me back. Mm. And that was excruciating, Mm. day in, day out, to be excluded from running my own ministry. And it didn't just happen like one afternoon or something, you know, and then it was over with, it was painful, but you get over it. No, this went on for five years. Mm. And it was very painful, but I thank 
God for it because he did more for me, my personal life with him through that five-year experience than all the powerful experiences I had at the Faith Homes or at Brownsville or other uh, things down through the years. Those were wonderful, but they didn't impact my life like that time of discipline where God really took me out to the woodshed and kept me out there, (laughs) beating on me kind of for five years. Yeah, I treasure it. It means everything to me. The title for this episode is The Painful Fight for Truth. And I think sometimes Christianity, the way it's presented, is that it's the solution to all of our problems. You know, I'm sad, Jesus came to make me happy. I'm confused, Jesus came to give me guidance. Or I'm in debt, or I'm depressed, or I'm wounded in some way, and Jesus now is the solution to all of those areas in my life. And that is true. He is the solution to every human need. But the presentation is really misleading if if it's coming across to us like he's going to do that instantaneously. Because one of the things that you mentioned in your book, the whole point of it, is also that we need to come out of deception and into truth, and that this is a lifelong process. What are some ways that you've seen the Lord doing that process in your life? Well, I would say, first of all, the way you were describing the presentation is very much the reality of the church culture today. It's very Mm me-centric. And in other words... In that presentation, I am huge and God is tiny and he's there to serve my needs and Mm. desires. But here's how it helped me, Nate, is I had read when I was younger and I first came to the Lord as a 16-year-old criminal. And, you know, and during that time, I read and read and read biographies of great men of God of yesteryear. You know, I could go down the list of all the books that I read and have read many times. So when I came back to the Lord in 1982, I had that in my background, and I had been out of the church for 10 or 12 years. And when I came back, this me-centric culture had established itself. Hmm. Mega churches and all this stuff had come about since I was gone. When I came back in, I'm like, wow, this is nothing like the Christianity that I learned about through the lives of Jonathan Goforth and Brother Andrew and William Carey Mm -hmm. and Hudson Taylor, all those men of God from yesteryear. They walked with God and there was a reality of God in their lives. So that was the, the truth of Christianity as I knew it. And then I came back to the church back into the church culture, and it had completely changed. Mm. And so I knew that what I was seeing wasn't the real thing. And so right from the beginning, you know, in 1986, when we started Pure Life, I was on a completely different footing than, you know, most of the church culture. Not saying that I was better or further along. I was still very full of myself. Mm. But at least I had a a context in my mind of what truth is. Uh, And that's what really helped me. And then, of course, 
down through the years because I was full of myself. God brought me through very uh, strong disciplines like the one I just mentioned, things like that where he worked that truth into me. Mm. It's not enough to have it in your mind. You've got to have it worked into your heart and into your soul. And that comes about through painful experience. And there's just no other um, cheap way of getting that. As you've been talking about how God has worked truth into you over the years, it's obvious that conviction plays an important part of that process. And conviction is never fun. It can be slightly uncomfortable. It can be excruciating, depending on how much deception is involved in that person's life. And I think it can help us to embrace conviction if we understand the benefits. Um... Can you explain why embracing conviction is such an important thing in the Christian life? Well, put yourself in the Lord's shoes. You've got this person who's just come into the body of Christ. You love this person, but you see all these areas of his life that is going to cause him pain and problems and definitely take away from all that you want to lavish him with. What do you do? You know, you don't want to overwhelm him. But then again, you've got areas in his life you've got to start dealing with him on. So you bring conviction. Now, the problem with human beings is we have this thing called the ego. And the ego is very fragile and touchy and does not like to be told that there's anything whatsoever wrong. Yeah. Because, you know, you want... Everyone to see you as perfect, yep. and no one can criticize you or hurt you. Yeah, And so that's the problem with conviction, or why it's a problem for people. Because we just practically demand that, <laughs> that God sees us and everyone else sees us as perfect. Yeah. So that's the challenge of, for the Lord to bring conviction in a person's heart. But man, where would we be without that? I thank God that he dealt with me severely. I needed severe dealings in my life because I had been so given over to self-centeredness. And I thank him. I thank him. I'm so grateful for dealing with me about uh, different areas of my life. Because every time the Lord was dealing with me about something, he was extracting a a little bit more of self and also setting me more free. And so every situation like that, I continually became more and more free inside. And that's the blessing of it. In the intro for this episode, we talked about the battle for truth as basically happening on two fronts. We've got an enemy without but we've also got our traitorous, sinful flesh that wants what the world is giving us. And you've mentioned numbers of times in this series how important the Word of God is in the battle for truth. Paul even uses that battle metaphor when he calls the Word the sword of the Spirit. So how is the Word of God useful when we're fighting against this external enemy? The Word of God helps us in two different ways. For one thing, it creates a biblical framework in our thinking, which filters what comes to us from the outside, Mm. you know, and we can just um, inherently or innately 
kind of just get a sense. Yeah. This doesn't add up right. This isn't right, you know. So there's that. And the other thing is kind of more along the lines of what I was talking about earlier about when the Lord um, really deals with you. You know, and I've said this on in many different uh, venues that the difference between a critical spirit and a discerning spirit is brokenness. So when God takes you through an experience of breaking you over some aspect of your self-life, one of the another one of the benefits that comes out of that is you become more discerning to where you can see, okay, for people, you can see people in the spirit they're in, but you're not looking down your nose at them. You're looking at them, if anything, through empathy and compassion. You just become more discerning, more spiritually alert. And it's that brokenness, that um, breaking the self-life, which is in cahoots with, you know, like you said, the traitor within. It is in cahoots with the culture, the godless culture. So um, both of those things are, come to my mind as how the Word of God really plays a huge part in us being able to discern lies when they come at us. Let's turn now to the most difficult part of the battle, which is our fight against our own flesh. This is the battle that's described in Galatians 5, where it says that the flesh and the spirit are opposed to one another. The flesh against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. And it brings out the fact that one of the biggest battles we have to fight is ourselves. Um, How does the word help us to fight our own flesh. You know, the one thing I like about the Lord of the Rings series is, you know, it's an allegorical movie written by a Christian man who very much had that in mind. And at one point in one of those movies, uh, someone said, the ring wants to be found. And that is such a picture of our flesh. Our flesh wants to believe the lie. It wants to be lured into the sin that it loves. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the word of God steps in there and says, this is reality. You know, never mind what your flesh wants. Here is reality. Mm. And if you pursue that thing, here is what's going to happen. It's like this loud billboard, you know, standing up and saying, stop and consider what you're thinking about doing. In the fourth episode, The United States of Deception, you use television as an example of how Christians are opening up their hearts and allowing the deceptions of the world to come in and change the way they think and compromise their values and their morals. Um, You own a television. You don't have cable, but you do own a television. And I know you've talked about how you do keep up with the news from time to time. Um, How do you navigate these forms of media so that it's not deceiving you? Kathy and I, in the early years, I mean, we spent years with no television. And it really broke something in us. And that that gap of time without any television or and then over time in the early years, it was a little bit of television um, and, and it's not much now. 
So we are controlled in what we watch, how much we watch. We use DVDs because we don't want commercials and we, we check out anything we're going to look at, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. We are very protective of our hearts. Mm. You know, we're very protective of our hearts. And because of that separation from the world and the spirit of the world, we have the discernment to see when we do encounter something. And I can just get it. I feel it. You know, it's something that doesn't feel right. Kathy's the same way. If like, let's say we uh, wanted to watch a movie or something. If it's like not feeling right in the trash can, it just goes right in the trash can. For instance, uh, one of the Star Wars movies uh, we got thinking that it was like the old ones. And like, whoa, this is not like the old ones, <laughs> you know? Mm. I mean, it was just edgy. It was intense. It's like, no, this is too much catering to my flesh. I don't want to subject myself to this. Mm. So that kind of thing. Again, what we're talking about today is the painful fight for truth. And you've talked about how your nature and the sins that you had given yourself over to created a very self-centered, um, hardened person. And the Lord dealt with you very severely to break you of that self-life. And I think I could probably hear some very decent, mild person saying, Oh, that's such a good testimony. I'm glad the Lord did that for him. But I don't need that, right? And and are you saying that, that every single person needs long, protracted, intense experiences of breaking in order to make them more like the Lord? Well, maybe not as much as I've gone through, but absolutely I feel that way. Hmm. You know, um, if we are not dealt with, we are going to become increasingly more hardened, increasingly more deceived about what we're like, mm. and increasingly more um, selfish and prideful. Mm. We desperately need God intervening in our life, dealing with us with the truth about what we are and where we're headed if we continue down that path. Let me give you an example. Look at how Jesus dealt with the churches in Revelation 2 and 3. Seven different churches, seven different personalities in these churches. Two of those churches were really doing well with God. He commended them. And then three of them had mixture, and he confronted the things that were wrong and um, commended them for the things they were doing right. And two of them were completely out of it, Laodicea mm -hmm. and Sardis. Uh, that is a picture of how the Lord deals with his people. He is not afraid to tell us what's going on in our lives. But the problem is Christians, kind of like what Jesus said to the Pharisees, you compare yourselves with each other, mm. you know, and that's what Christians do. They We have this culture that's, you know, I don't mean to sound so negative, but it's kind of diseased you know, mm -hmm. with self and worldliness and, and compromise. And so everyone's in the same level of backslidden or whatever, and people compare themselves with each other and think, well, I, compared to him, I'm yeah. doing fine. Yeah. And, and, and so they just convince themselves that they're really walking with the Lord and walking in truth. 
And the Lord wants to come in out of his mercy and his grace and his goodness and say, no, you're not where you think you are. You need change in some areas of your life. And I'm willing Mm. to bring that change into your life if you'll humble yourself before Mm. me and listen to me. Mm. Yeah, that is, it's that, at least from my own experience, it's that personal relationship where it's Jesus himself who is pointing these things out that makes it that makes it worth going through the pain yeah and we just need it and that's the bottom line you've probably heard the phrase commonly said in court do you solemnly swear to tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth so help you God It sounds simple enough, but the enemy within, our flesh, is crafty and has a number of ways of putting up defensive walls to avoid telling the whole truth. In this talk, given by Pastor Ed Book to the men in our residential program, he reflects on a passage of scripture and the many forms that lying can take. As you seek to win your painful fight for truth, I hope you will reflect on ways these deceptions might be sneaking in to your everyday life. Uh, As we were singing that song a minute ago, Here I Am to Worship, the verse that came to mind was out of John 4, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And if you want to turn with me, I'm actually over in Acts, uh, the end of chapter 4 into chapter 5. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each as anyone had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And now here's the contrast. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing those words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. 
Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, and Peter answered her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, Yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. As I was uh, just, you know, kind of pondering all of this before the Lord this morning, uh, I felt very convicted myself, so even sharing this is, is hard in many ways. But, you know, it was just like I could see almost like this continuum of God's will over here, and my will over here. And instead of just coming over here and saying God's will should prevail and letting go of my will, I spend a lot of time trying to do two things. One is trying to redefine God's will into something less than it is. You know, God has a standard of holiness and Glenn Meldrum preached about that, uh, his first message. and. Pastor Steve has written a book, Intoxicated with Babylon, essentially about that, right? That there, God's got a standard of holiness that he expects of us, and we spend far too much time trying to take issue with that and redefine it into something less than it is so that I can excuse myself from it. The other thing that I spend a lot of time doing is projecting my holiness, my personal holiness, as something higher, or maybe I really should say deeper, than it is. And essentially, uh, that's lying. Right? If I'm presenting something as different than it is, that's a lie. You, you know, there are different ways to even do that. There, there are people who are just in, living in blatant sin sometimes, just blatantly breaking God's commands or the rules of this program, say. And, and if you confront them about it, they'll just lie to your face and say, did you sell the land for so much? Yes, that's what much we sold it for. I gave it all to you. But there's no truth in that statement. It's a lie, a bald-faced lie right at the outset. And there are people like that, but more so, I suspect, there are people who um, we just don't tell everything to others that they really ought to know about us personally or situation. We obscure the truth by withholding it. And you know, God is after truth in the inward parts. That takes complete disclosure, <laughs> not a partial disclosure. And, uh, you, you know, uh, I've seen this. You have a guy, you have to ask him very specific questions to get anything out of him. <laughs> you, you, you can't just say, how are you doing? Or how's your lust problem? You have to say, did you X? Did you Y? Did you? <laughs> and if you did, how, when, how long, how often? You can't get anything out of him without asking the right question that elicits the answer. <laughs> and even then, it's a vague or brief you know, as, as little information as possible comes out of them, right? <laughs> and that's not truth in the inward parts. It's just not. Don't kid yourself. If you're playing that game, and that's all it is, because it's you who pays the price for that kind of deception, uh, it won't work. It won't help you. Your life won't be a life that God can honor and, and bless and and you won't have the relationship with God that 
comes out of truth in the inward parts. And, and you know, the other aspect of that, I wanted to say husbands, we do this with our wives <laughs> a lot, where we force them to ask us the specific question in order to get the information they really should have from us. And we need to stop that. You know, another thing I've seen is maintaining uh, control of the truth, in a sense, uh, by kind of piecemealing our confessions. You know, we may eventually get around to telling the whole truth, but it comes out in such a little nugget here or there that I never really have to face the full consequences of what I did because I'm controlling the timing and the, and the way that the information is coming out. That again, man, it, it's just, it's, it's defeating, <laughs> to say the least for it. And then there's, you know, that side of us that just gives false information. It's not just that we obscure the truth, but like I was saying earlier, you know, I can, can present myself at a level of holiness that's higher and deeper than what I've attained. And, and, you know, so I'm giving false information in that respect. And usually that happens, I think, uh, in our setting here, when you tell the other person what you think they want to hear from you. You know what you should be saying and able to say, so you go ahead and say that, but inside, if you were honest, <laughs> you would know that's not true. That's not the way I really felt, or <laughs> that's not what's inside my heart <laughs> in that situation. But the, and the problem with all this lying is it's all about self. It's just protecting self. It's looking out for self. And so you've got self and you've got God, and you've got to deny self <laughs> and let self be crucified and let God reign. And I just, uh, I don't know, this was just such a strong, heavy burden after I read this this morning that I felt compelled to share that, that we need that truth in our inward parts. God is seeking men who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And it's one thing to know something of his love, but to be able to reciprocate that love, there has to be truth in the inward parts. And that's what God wants, is a complete relationship with you. When I first came into the faith back in 2008, I was overwhelmed by how many things in my heart and life needed to change. I had truly been born again, but the hard work of sanctification was just beginning. What I didn't see very clearly then was the process that God uses to change people. I want to end our show on a practical note because I trust that if you see this process, it will help you have the courage to continue in the fight for truth even when it's painful. It begins with conviction. The Holy Spirit shows us a specific area where we are falling short of God's standard. Now, at this point, we have a choice. We can agree with him or we can reject what he is saying. This series has already touched on the many dangers of rejecting truth, so I'll move on for now. As we confess the truth by agreeing with God, then we will also begin to put off the sins that he is showing us. We will allow our minds to be renewed by his truth and then we will put on new attitudes and actions that are in line with God's will. This lifelong cycle, conviction, confession, putting off, renewing the mind, and putting on righteousness, this gives us a basic outline for the process of sanctification. 
And this is how God's truth triumphs over deception and reigns in our lives. Jordan Yoshimine is our assistant director of counseling, and he's here to talk about how he has seen that process take place in his own life. So Jordan, this five-step process of conviction, confession, putting off the flesh, renewing the mind, and then putting on the spirit, it's not really a formula, it's a, it's a cycle that is happening continuously in our life, but in different areas of our life. So we could be at different stages for different areas. So, But I do want to make the process clear, so we'll talk about them one by one. Um, can you use your own life to talk about the conviction of the Holy Spirit? How does God show you that you're sinning in some area, and what does it feel like in your own life? <laughs> um, you know, conviction for me almost always, always starts during my quiet times, my devotional times. Um, if I'm reading in the Word or in prayer, um, I'm meditating on a psalm, whatever it is, it, there is something that happens when you're in fellowship with a holy God, and then you start seeing what you're like. So, for instance, I am reading, I've been reading the prophets, and I just finished Daniel, and just reading about Israel and their idolatry really uh, made me reflect on my own life. And man, what's going on in my life? And the Lord, I think, was asking me to take a look at ways in which I was not glorifying God. Hmm. And I, I guess one in particular area is self-centeredness and self selfishness. And specifically, you know that I just went on vacation. I just got mm-hmm. back and I had went into the vacation and or just even my time off, like mm-hmm. when I'm not working, my weekends. Um, what What are my expectations of what I want to do when you're traveling, I travel with three other co-workers, and it was very, very difficult to not want my way. And mm. when I wanted my way or when I felt like there was kind of conflict, I think the Lord was showing me, and he was showing me how selfish I was, how self-centered I was, and how married I am to the fact that when I am not at work, especially in ministry work— um, it's my time to do with mm. what I want to, not to sin. Oh yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying. Yeah. But but to do what I want to do. Yeah. And so um, that has been one area, man. That the Lord is just is keeps poking at, mm-hmm. and recently has just been doing it. But it came from that time in the Word. It comes, it starts, and it marinates there. When I'm in the Word, when I'm in communion and fellowship with the Lord, when I am praising His name, you see His holiness, you see His perfection, you see what these men of faith did, Daniel did, the lion's den, mm-hmm. um, you know, the Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you know, the fiery furnace, and you're like, wow, I am so not like that. Right. And and so then it's the time for a reflection. Well, Lord, um, you know, what... Where am I? And he just starts faithfully pointing those things out. Yeah. Yeah. And let's talk about the next step, which is confession. Sometimes, even when we know something is wrong, like say for for you, for example, you're starting to see my time 
and how the Lord is putting his finger on that. Sometimes it can be hard to get to the place where we aren't going to blame shift. We're not going to minimize that. We're not going to explain it away and ignore it. Um, Are there things that help you go from that place where you're seeing that something is wrong to a full acknowledgement and a full confession of, I am wrong, I need to change? Yes, I think um, I'm going to repeat this over and over again because I think for me it's the thread through all these steps is that relationship with the Lord, John 15. Um, I'm connected to the vine. I'm a branch. I am abiding in him and him in me. Mm-hmm. And and then Psalm 139, 23 and 24 says, you know, Lord, expose sin in my life. Yeah. I'm praying that prayer often. Yeah. And so when this <laughs> conviction comes, I am actually thankful. Yeah, that's good. Like, yeah. uh, we had a conversation last night where you were correcting me uh, about my about that vacation, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that was a, a time, but it was like I wasn't blame shifting. Yeah. I wasn't. Right. I was. I was like, this is what I prayed for. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And yeah. so. It used to not be like that. I mean, you know, five or six years ago, if something like that happened, I would be in condemnation, self-pity, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'd try to defend myself. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, oh, this is exactly what I was praying for. Mm-hmm. So I am actually thankful yeah. for that. So it, it really has taken a lot of, you know, failing in that area, minimizing, blame-shifting, defending my position. But when I'm connected to the vine, when I'm in, in that intimate relationship, when he's abiding in me and I'm asking the Lord to exposing and he's just answering my prayer, yeah, it's it just completely flips the script, yeah. so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, it just it just turns it on its head and you're actually grateful. Yeah. I never thought I never thought about that. Yeah. Where if you're going into this whole process asking for it to happen rather than it being like just God seeing something, here's my son, and I just really got to bring some correction. You're already saying, Lord, show me, help me, take me through this process. Then you're available and willing, and yeah, that's, wow, never thought about that. Yeah, it just really changes it. It actually builds faith and trust because Mm -hmm. he is answering my prayer. Mm -hmm. He is showing me, he is drawing me near to himself, but anyway. No, keep going. No, no, no. That was just—I could go on and on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so let's move on to the third one then. In Ephesians 4, we see the next three steps because there's a verse there that talks about putting off our old self, being renewed in the spirit of our minds, and then putting on the new self. And when we're fighting for truth— We have conviction and we have confession, but that's really only half the battle because now we actually are going to cooperate with the Lord to begin to change the things that we're talking about. Um, Sometimes those sins that we need to change, like viewing pornography or stealing, putting off is really clear. Stop looking at pornography. Stop taking other people's things. How hard, you know, how complicated could that be? But sometimes the Lord is convicting us about heart attitudes like selfishness, self-centeredness, like you talked about, or self-pity or pride. How do you put off those kinds of things? 
Well, you're going to be faced with, regardless if it's porn or something external or something internal, you're going to be faced with multiple decisions every day or scenarios where your pride or your anger, your selfishness play out. And I always use, um, in my counseling sessions, one of my favorite verses is John Mm 10.10. And it talks about the Lord being the good shepherd. But he, in verse 10, he says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and life abundantly. Mm -hmm. And in that situation... I just have that in front of me. Say, for instance, in this vacation we were on, I do not like Indian food. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In fact, um, I would never choose it as mm-hmm. somewhere to go. It's not that I don't like it. It's just not one of my favorites. Yeah. It's not on my top 15. Right. Um, but two of the people I went with love Indian food. I mean, love it. Mm. And I was really struggling. And in fact, I even said one night, I said, well, I really don't like Indian food. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't go to Indian food. We had pizza instead. Mm -hmm. Um, But then it came up again on on the next night. And I was like, okay, it's that John 10, 10 moment. And literally that verse is in front of me. Mm. And it's like, I can either choose to be self-centered and stay in my self-centeredness, my selfishness, my own will, or I can deny myself I could be selfless mm. and acquiesce to the requests of my brothers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and have life, life abundantly. And the result is you were there. We had great fellowship. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. about the food at all. Yeah. So there was life, a build edifying of the body. You see how the Lord wants to give you life, but you have to put off. You have those decisions. Okay, I have pride in my life. I have anger issues, but you're going to be faced with that choice yeah. okay i could either choose to be angry right right now right or i could choose not to be um and we have a will and the lord yeah. allows us to have a will but we have to say okay in that moment lord i'm choosing you satan's always going to offer us the counterfeit will mm. which in the moment might look good yeah but in the end always causes despair yeah. more pain more hurt more anger more pride you know, whatever that, whatever you're dealing with, it yeah. just fortifies that where the Lord wants to free you from that. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really good because the fourth step is renewing the mind. And it's, someone once told me that the renewing the mind step in between putting off and putting on, when you renew your mind, that is what makes biblical counseling and the Christian life different from behavior modification. Because anybody, I mean, even an atheist can say, I want to stop doing this behavior, and so I'm going to start doing this. But God is looking not just to change our actions, but for our hearts to change. And that's really what you are talking about, is that in that moment, it's not that you're just stopping one thing and doing another thing, but that your heart is changing. You just took all my stuff away. Oh. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I really don't want to sound like a a broken record again, but it is, you know, that renewing of the mind, when Christ is talking about that renewal, renewal, he's talking about washing yourself in the Word, Mm -hmm. in the Scripture. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's where life is is really found. John 1, 14, the Word became flesh. Yeah. It's Jesus. Yeah, yeah. You want to be re- your your mind to be renewed. Um, you're putting off, you're trying to put off these old uh, 
sinful heart attitudes and you want to put on, well, get in the Word mm. and feast yourself on Jesus Christ. Taste and see, Psalm 34, that the Lord is good. And it's not just, okay, I'm going to read five chapters in Matthew today. I mean, you pray over the Psalms. Mm. You meditate over the Psalms. You get into a commentary on a particular book like I did with Daniel, and I just followed one commentator all the way through the book. Yeah. And got his perspective on that. And I'll go back and do a different. Getting into the Word just opens up um, so much of who Jesus is um, and really who he wants us to be. Yeah. And so it's, it is life. It is the water that we drink, it's the food that we eat daily. That's the key difference is man, you need that step in order to put on. Mm-hmm. Um, without that, it's just you're just doing behavior mod. Yeah, yeah, it's just that. Okay. So, and let's look at the next step then, or the last step, putting on the new self, because this is really what brings the process all the way through to completion. Um, from your own experience, what would you tell people about that last step of putting on? It is um, really um, asking for a fresh infilling or indwelling of the Holy Spirit um, every day. Mm-hmm. And throughout the day, it's like, listen, my flesh is my flesh. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to change. If I'm operating out of my flesh today, I'm going to sow to the flesh, I'm going to reap corruption of the flesh. Yeah. But if I sow to the Spirit, if I'm walking in the Spirit, right, then the fruit of the Spirit is going to be produced in my life. Mm-hmm. So it really is... Emptying yourself out of yourself and filling yourself with the Holy Spirit and letting him direct you. Let him be the putting on. What you're mm. putting on really is putting into you the Holy Spirit so mm. that what comes out of you as a vessel of his mercy mm. is just him. Yeah. So, of course, it's it's you don't have to try so hard to put on because you're just, if you're walking in the Spirit, it's just going to come out of you naturally. Mm. And so that's what I have found and experiencing more and more in my personal life is when I'm walking in the Spirit, I don't have to try so hard to avoid porn or, you know, avoid looking at certain things. It's just I'm not even interested in those things, Mm -hmm. but it's only because I'm full of the Spirit. Yeah, what you were just talking about, putting on the new self— there's a verse that says, um, and put on the new self, which is created in true righteousness and holiness. And another mm. verse says, put on Jesus Christ. Right, so right. that's really what it is. Right. It's him. Yeah. It's his nature. Yeah. And when you do that, he begins to come out of you. Right. And it's so hard for us as Americans to think in terms of, it's not me becoming better. It's him living his life in us. And then through us. The lie is you have to somehow manufacture something on your own. And mm-hmm. said, no, let the Lord lead. Let him guide. Let him be your all in all. Let him guide and direct you. You're, you know, you're just a dumb sheep mm-hmm. following where he's going. And it makes life really so much easier, mm. so much more fulfilling because yeah. and less stressful. You don't have to worry about stuff as much. Yeah. Was there ever a point in your, after coming to Pure Life, after really becoming a Christian, was there ever a point where you were just saying to yourself, 
this is too painful. I don't want to go on. And if there was, what what kept you moving forward? <laughs> it happens every day. No. Um, <laughs> um, when I talk about my self-life and what really, really encourages me when I see my self-life and I keep seeing my self-life and I keep seeing mm-hmm. how self-centered I am, I guess what really drives me is I go crying, I go weeping, and with my head hanging low, back to the Word of God, Hmm. or back to prayer. And man, He is so gracious, He is so merciful. Hmm. You know, it is is amazing, and it it is that relationship with the Lord. It is that relationship, that intimacy, that deep fellowship with the Lord that is just... I don't know how to... I, I can't really express it in, in words because it's you know each person has their own personal um relationship with the lord and it's a little bit different for mm-hmm. everyone but but for everyone universally for people it's that developing nurture and nourish that relationship with the lord that that is your anchor so it doesn't matter what sin you see how many times it comes up the lord is just gracious and merciful and he's long suffering and he wants to meet you where you're at, and um, yeah, it's 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 amazing what um, that relationship and how important that relationship has become to me. It's 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 yeah, it's life, life itself. The fight for truth is painful, but sexual sin, anger, bitterness, selfish ambition, jealousy, greed—you name it all these things can be overcome. If you will allow conviction to lead to confession, the Holy Spirit will be your strength and he will help you put off and renew your mind and put on the righteousness of Christ. Don't be discouraged if things don't change overnight. Freedom and change come slowly for a reason. Remember, this isn't some kind of five-step process to a better life. It's an ever-increasing battle for truth. But, like Paul said to the Galatians, do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. I trust that this series has been a blessing to you. We've got one more episode to go, so please join us next week as we discuss where this walk of truth is headed. Thanks for joining us today on Purity for Life. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.